Welcome back to the Race Brothers podcast. And this is super exciting that we have our holy brother, Yosef Shalom Rabin, uh, known as Yossi Rabin. But Gewalt, he's, he's no, one of the early Haredi pioneers of being on going up the Temple Mount. And uh, maybe we could even call him a Temple Mount activist. And there's so much that I'm curious to learn about and so much about Harabais, but obviously there's so many things that you're into. So, Gavalt, Rabbi Yosef, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Thank you, Rabbi Yehuda, for inviting me to uh, share some things about the Harabais. It's a tremendous privilege and a schus, and uh, I'm looking forward. All right. So, just jump straight in. Tell, like, how'd you get involved? Like, I, I'm definitely also somebody who believes deeply and very idealistic, but how did you get into Harabayas and getting, you know, going up there? Yeah, okay. So, obviously, we're going to make a long story short. Um, but basically, look, yeah, I was, I started out, you know, the regular Haredi guy, you know, Harabayas was like, what? First time I heard someone going to Harabayas, how could you do that? We, I thought the Rabbanim said, we don't go to Harabayas, it's chorus. And, you know, it was like, it was a big shock to me, and I just pushed it out of the, pushed it on the side, and and the, this was like a while ago when I was a kid when I first heard about someone going, and it wasn't really something that I had thought about at all. What age was that? Well, that was probably when I was around seventeen or eighteen. And you were you were uh, learning. I was, here, I was here in Eretz Yisrael. My family used to come a lot for Yom Tovim, and I remember one one day Chalamoid, we were at a friend, a Datilumi friend of my parents. And he said he goes to the Harabayas. And I was like very disturbed and, and you know, feeling all kinds of kanoyas, uh, classic Haredi anti-feelings. And, you know, this person doesn't keep halacha. And, and that was sort of my first experience, my first bang with the Harabayas subject. And I never thought about it for very much long afterwards. You know, I was in Yeshiva in Riverdale. And we didn't really talk about Harabayas there at all. The, the truth is, I'm going to talk about this later. A lot of the stigma around Harabayas really comes from what's called in Hebrew, borut, which means lack of knowledge. Many people just have no clue about it. They don't even know. I never knew there was really anything behind the koisel. It was like, I went to the koisel. That was what it was all about. And there was nothing beyond that. It was, you know, it, it was the, what's the hard bias? They captured, I didn't know, really even didn't know what it was. I just knew it's something, it's off limits. Now, I came to Israel about six or seven years ago. I, um, as I mentioned, I was learning in Riverdale. I was there for seven years. Yeshiva's Tamide tells, for those who are not familiar, is a branch of the Tel Yeshiva in Cleveland, run by uh, Rabbi Avram Osban Shlita. And I came here, like many other Yeshiva, American Yeshiva Bachram, I went to one of the brisk Yeshivas. And at that point, I had started getting into what some would refer to as Kabbalah and Hasidus, you know, a little Pneumius, and trying to better understand my connection with Hashem and that entire world. And as I delved more into you know, the subjects of Pneumia Satira, one of the concepts that, I, that resonated a lot with me and began to take on more meaning in my life was the idea of Isra'usa de la Tata, Isra'usa de la Eila. At the end of the day, Hashem, the way Hashem's Hanhaga functions, there is the Hanhaga of Rachem and Pshutim, where Hashem does things that we don't deserve. But at the bottom line, in order for us to feel, and feel Hashem in our lives, we need to do. We need to do Isra'usa de la Tata, and that creates the clea when Hashem gives us the Shefa, we're actually able to experience it. When Hashem makes miracles and we're not ready for it, we don't really appreciate it. We don't really know what it is because we didn't work for it. Right. I always like to say that the word neis, I, I heard this once from, uh, maybe it was uh, Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, I don't remember exactly, maybe Rav Shimshin Pinkus was actually one of the first 
Svarim that I started learning in my journey in Pneumius, but he talks about, he, he says that the word Nes is Miloshin Lehisnoises. Right. And it's also from the word Nisayon, because when we have a Nisayon, when we have a challenge, when we have a conflict, that Wait, causes... Let's just explain a, that, because, you know, sometimes people might not understand all these words. Lehisnoises means to hold up like, as a, like a banner, right? Exactly. And it needs to lift yourself up. And when you have a Nisoyen, which is something that's trying to bring down, and Nisoyen is also from modern Hebrew, the word linasot, to try. You're, you're exposing effort. What you're really doing is you're bringing out the nace within yourself. I like to say, when is Hashem going to make a nace for you? When you make a nace for Hashem. In other words, Hashem wants to see real effort. He wants to see struggle. And that's Isra'usa Dilatata. And my first experiences with this were very personal. I looked at Avoidus Hashem as a yachid, you know, our jobs to come close to Hashem. I hadn't yet been exposed to the concepts of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael and that Am Yisrael, we're, we're actually a nation. It's not just, you know, you know, Haredim or Datilumir Chiloni. No, there's one nation called Am Yisrael. And, and Hashem chose this nation and he gave us a special purpose. And the place for that purpose comes forth in Eretz Yisrael. And the pinnacle of where everything, the ultimate expression of our connection with Hashem comes, comes to fruition in the Beis HaMikdash. And, and, and this, this concept of Yisrusa started, you know, pushing me to, to understand more Rega. Until now, our Chinuch was that, you know, Beis HaMikdash is something that we refer to in our davening. Hashem's going to make a nace, it's going to come down from Shemayim with a fire, and uh, we don't really have any physical connection. We don't have anything to do with it. Now, the truth is that my first, my first connection with the, uh, with the concept of actually, you know, the idea of having to, to do something in the physical world for Beis HaMikdash, to build the Beis HaMikdash, to talk about Karbonis and things like that, was coming from a Geula perspective. It was coming from this perspective of Isrusa de Latata, Isrusa de Leila. If we want, I had also been learning at that period, I, was, I had met the, the, the Zilberman community in the old city, and they, Rabbi Yitzhak Shloyme Zilberman, was uh, one of the, the um, later followers of the Talmidei Hagra. And one of the, the key svarim amongst the Talmidei Hagra is a sefer called Koil Hator, which talks all about, you know, there is controversy about the authenticity of Koil Hator, but anyone I know agrees. And, and if you read the Koil Hator, almost all, the, all the, 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 the concepts discussed there are rooted back in the Vilna Torah in Chazal, is a sefer Achris Kereshis, which shows that very clearly, and many others. And one of the major concepts talked about there is how the process of Geula has two steps. And we know from the Gemara and Sukkah, there's a mention of the Mashiach ben Yosef, but we also know about the Mashiach ben David. And the way the Goyen learns that is, the Mashiach ben Yosef is the process of Geula that happens that happens through nature, through the natural world. Not open Nisim like, like Kriyas Yamsuf or other miracles that Kaiso experienced in the Midbar, but rather Nisim that, in a certain sense, are are covered over with Teva, but when you put on your glasses and if you look and you look at the numbers and you look at the statistics and you look at, you know, the outcome and the results, you say to yourself, there's no way that this is not a miracle. This could not have happened with the Yad Hashem. It couldn't be more clear. And the more you get in touch with that, you start to realize, wow, the fact that Am Yisrael came back to Eretz Yisrael after 2,000 years of being in Gullus, it's unbelievable. A nation that is less than 1% of the population of the world and was not, you know, it was scattered all over the world. And, and has gone through so many pogroms and so many efforts to try to destroy us and get rid of us. And here we are back again in the land of Israel, not just surviving here, but blossoming, growing a strong economy, so many yeshivas 
And you know, again, not everything's perfect, but if you just look at the bigger picture, we have tremendous bracha here in Eretz Yisrael, and uh, the Tzarenu in the, you know, the past couple months, not that we, you know, obviously we want everyone from Chutz Laaretz to hear about Eretz Yisrael. We don't want them to have to, you know, be punished in Chutz Laaretz and, and, and leave because of fear. We want them to come out of love, but we can't help noticing the fact that within recent times, Eretz Yisrael has again shown its light, you know, in terms of the, the, uh, the, the safety that we have here and the ashgacha that we have here and the stability that we have here. And, um, and that's an amazing thing. Now, when you're thinking in this mindset, you start to ask yourself, so Rega, what did Hashem bring us back here for? Was it just to have another, you know, another country? You know, we got Germany, we got, we got France, we got, we got England, we got America. You know, is it just about, you know, prospering uh, financially and, and creating high tech, which again, obviously is a wonderful thing, but what is the purpose? And I think, and I, as I started again, this goes back to Isruusa de Latata. This all gets back to that. What I, what I started to see and come to the realization was that, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and again, this fits in with the Vilna Goins writings, the first thing he does is he gives you the guf. He gives you the physical. And this is Mashiach ben Yosef and the Kibbutz Goliath, and this is what we've been experiencing. But now it's our job, and it's more importantly the, the Haredi Tzibor's job, or people that are showing me Torah and Mitzvahs in general, that hold the flag of Torah and Mitzvahs to start to ask ourselves, Rega, maybe it's time we start bringing in the, the Neshama. The goof is here. We have Eretz Yisrael, the Gashmias. Now it's time to bring in the Neshama. This is the beginning of the Oni Reichiv al Chamor. The Chamor is Milosh and Chumris. And the Oni Reichiv is, Oni is the beginning of Les Megar Meklum. It's the idea that the, the, uh, the, we want to bring the soul to be an ultimate reflection of the Olam Yisrael of Hashem's presence. And that's our job. That's the job of the, of the, uh, the Shemitah and Mitzvah. So, so you're saying the Oni... Let's just to interrupt for a second. So the ani, you're saying the poor person is reflective of the neshama because it doesn't have anything of its own. It's interesting because usually, usually less than the garmikum is usually a bechina of the gashmias. It's a bechina of malchus. So my my explanation to that is as follows. First of all, the 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 chamor is miloshin choymer is the chomias. Okay, the ani represents the fact that he's poor in gashmias. Right, because the neshama, right? We know paspa melech toicha ma'in besuratishta ruchnius is not something with the physical. But what's the perfect? What's the perfect shiluv that a kadosh baruch is looking for? The ani roichev alachamor. When the ruchnius is on top of the gashmius, then, as you said, less megame klum. The gashmius also is uplifted and becomes an expression of the neshama. So that's the 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 idea of shleimus in a in a nutshell. Okay. But basically, this is all these feelings and emotions, just to get back to the question, are what drove me to start thinking about Rega. What is our tafkid with regards to Harabayas? Hashem made us Nisim Vinif in 1967. It wasn't even part of the Tochnit to capture the, the Temple Mount. And Hashem gave it to us. And what are we doing? You know, we don't know. Everybody's... Well, we gave it <laughs> back. Know, we, well, not only, not only did we didn't, you know... Uh, uh, immediately go and set up a Mizbeach like they did when they came up in Bayashani for 14 years before they even had a Beis HaMikdash. They had a Mizbeach, but as Yehuda just said, unfortunately, we gave it back. In other words, we weren't yet ready for that stage, you know, emotionally, mentally, to understand the significance of, of, uh, of Harabayas and the Beis But uh, as Reb Nachman says, ancient years Ba'ilam, and we're always here to, um, there's always a chance to rectify and sometimes things take more time. And maybe you can make even a nice uh, um, uh, parallel to Sphere Saimer. We, we know that Klai Yisrael experienced Nisim Vineflois 
by Kriyas Yamsuf, but then they needed 50 days to build up a Kli to really experience Matan Torah so they could really, you know, have a personal connection. So, so it's, you know, it's been about 50 years, a little bit more since we captured the, the Harabais and maybe, you know, we had those Nisim then, that was like a Kriyas Yamsuf, but, but we have to build the, uh, the spiritual Kalim so the people could really understand what does a Mikdash mean in our modern day lives. And all these things together brought me into it. And, and I learned, obviously I went, I spent over a year learning the halachic sugya and understanding the gvulish of Harabayas. And that's a whole other shiv in itself. We actually have a beautiful slideshow that I worked on with my friend that we, we do in shuls. And uh, we also have a contrast that my, my friend put out called Hamokim HaShibacha uh, Hashem with a, a very nice askama from uh, the late Rabbi Malinowitz of Beit Shemesh, as well as uh, Reb Zalman Goldberg. And I also give tours on the Harabayas. And the, the, the truth is, Harabayas is a world of it its own. It's like you made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, that's step one. Once you made Aliyah to Harabayas, I feel like a different Jew. When I feel I need a recharge of my battery, I want to get close to Hashem. I want to feel the fire of Yerushalayim. The Eish Tomid Tukad Boel Mizbeach, the Korban Tomid, the, the, that, that, that Drisha, that constant Drisha to, to work on your Avoidus Hashem and be connected. Harabayas, it's like all in your face. It's, it's right up there. It's like, that's it. Wow. It's a shock. And, and for people, that I, I've taken many people over the years to Harabayas. I've been going for about four years now. And it's very interesting. I, I've, I've met many people and taken them many places. And when it comes to Harabayas, there's an automatic pachad people have. You know, even if they know halachically it's okay and they went through the sugya and they have it in Rabbonim, but it's, there's a hesitation. You're coming to base Hashem. It's something else. And this is, this is the idea of Yeres HaMokim. So um, I'm not going to go on, you know, <laughs> All day, no, just this on this great. question, we'll get to more. But this is just a, a little bit briefly of a part of what brought me to the Harabayas. Yeah, no, this is, this is, this is so, there's so many different parts to this that I really would like to unpack in our conversation um, to try to really understand this. I, I think that maybe we can start with like a, an interesting point that, that move. How do you go from, I'm talking about your personal experience, going from a person, like you said, growing up in, in the Haredi system, they, in yeshivas, they don't really even talk about Eretz Yisrael. Like everything th- throughout learning Chumash, I grew up in, you know, learning Chumash. I had this burning desire to come to Eretz Yisrael. The first time I came, um, I came as a baby, but the first time I remember coming, I must have been, I don't know, under 10 years old. And when I walked down the streets, I was, it, this realization hit me like, wow, Eretz Yisrael is real. Chumash is real. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, they were real people. And they really lived here. And this is a real story. In America, the, you know, the history that we know about is really only a couple hundred years old. You know, maybe if you're lucky, you go to a park, you find an arrowhead. But, but the history of Eretz Yisrael is, is incredible. But going from that, meaning I, I know that in my own journey as well, like I had this interesting journey going from the yeshiva system and then learning about it. How was it for you going from an intense yeshiva system, the Haredi system, where even though everything is about Eretz Yisrael, but we're not really talking about Eretz Yisrael. We're not, it, it's not even really, doesn't even really seem like they, they appreciate the ideal of living in Eretz Yisrael so much. And it doesn't seem like, especially, you know, Harabayas is, is, is really like a, a, it's not even a conversation. It's not like we even talk about it. It's like there's, some, there's a stigma with it. So how did you, like, how, how did you personally, you know, transform and, and, and go and, you know, were you always like an outsider in the yeshiva system? <laughs> um, well, now that you mentioned that, 
You know, in a certain sense, looking back, I might have always been a little bit out of the box. That's true. But um, again, I think really the answer to your question goes back to sort of what I started with. It started with in the end of my yeshiva years when I started getting into Panimia Satoira. And I realized that what I was getting in the yeshiva was wonderful. I was a big masmid. I used to learn all the time. But I just felt like something was dry. Something was missing in my, in my connection. Like there was never a talk about Hashem. There was never, you know, focus on Avodah Hashem. You know, we had Musr. Again, I, I, I don't want to put down anyone. My Rosh Hashiva is a wonderful man. And he gave a fiery Musr shmuz. And of course, every word was about Hashem. But I felt there was an emphasis on, on Yira. There wasn't much of an emphasis on personal connection. And, and Kabbalah just opened up a whole new world to me. And, and, and Hasidus, I remember then I used to sit, you know, you know, Bain Astarim, I had a whole bookshelf full of Svarim, and I was learning Nefesh Achayim and Tanya and Reb Nachman, everything together. It was just drinking it up. And uh, at a certain point, I said, I have to, I have to find Rabbeim, you know. It's, it's good to be learning on my own, but this is not, I need to be in a place where I'm, where I'm uh, you know, really connecting to Tzaddikim. And it was only natural. My family had been coming to Eretz Yisrael for Yom Tovim for many years. And it was like clear to me that Eretz Yisrael is the place. But at that point, I looked at Eretz Yisrael much more as like a Ruchnius thing. Like, you know, this is where there's more Kedusha, there's more Torah, you know, there's bigger Tzaddikim, there's Tamid Chachamim. But I didn't, I wasn't yet like, you know, I wouldn't say in the, you know, the, the, uh, the from, you know, some people call it more of a, a Tzioni perspective. I hadn't yet resonated with like, you know, the dry Pasek, you know, there's a mitzvah's essay to live in Eretz Yisrael. Like, I never learned about that mitzvah. It wasn't a mitzvah that, it was more of like, you know, there's more Kedusha, you know, Avrechim, stay here. They say, if you could do it, you know, if you could find Chinuch for your kids, if you got Parnasa, you know, then it's something acceptable. But it wasn't like yet, it, it was it was burning from a place of Ruchnius, but not yet from the, the historical place, from the, uh, from the biblical place. I hadn't yet been connected to Tanakh. And that was a transition that I slowly went through. I started out very, very strongly connected with the Panimia Satoira um, and, 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 you know, that, that direction. And, and getting back to, you know, Rav Ginsburg, which you asked me about in the beginning, um, there was a point where, you know, as I was searching for a Rebbe in Panimia Satoira, I came across with Yitzchak Ginsburg Shlita, and I connected. A lot of, a lot of his different Torah resonated with me. And as I started getting closer to him and his Hasidim, I, I was, I was, that probably was my first exposure to the Eretz Yisrael agenda, if you want to put it like that. And the idea that we have a mitzvah to capture all the, you know, conquer all the parts of Eretz Yisrael and return to Eretz Yisrael. And he also talked about something which I'm, I'm more active in today, the concept that Medinat Yisrael, you know, a lot of Haredim, we see Medinat Yisrael as a neutral thing. There's Kedush Eretz Yisrael, and this happens to be Medina here, but there's no significance to that per se, no divine significance to that. It's here, you know, some people hate it, some people want to destroy it. Most average Haredi just, you know, just doesn't have opinion about it. The word in Hebrew is Adish. We just not, it, it doesn't mean much to us. And, you know, it's just, it's just a Kli. But what I started learning in, in the base Medrash of Ginsburg and later in the base Medrash of Kedusha's Tzion is that the Medina is actually, you know, that's the, the, the expression of our sovereignty here in Eretz Yisrael. That's the expression of our individualness, of our independence in Eretz Yisrael. And ultimately, what the Medina, what the Medina we're striving for is a Medina that's going to run completely based on Torah law. Many people think that the Torah is something that, you know, applies to Yechidim, maybe a little bit to the Kehila, but it doesn't have what to say in the international world on a geopolitical level to, uh, you know, what our economic policy should be. 
more communistic, socialistic, uh, capitalistic, uh, you know, what our security policy should be, what our uh, ben our international policy. But the truth is, if someone really learns the Torah the way it's supposed to be learned, the Rambam has hilchis milchames umalachim, and there's a lot more pituach in the later years in what's referred to as mishpat evri and choish and mishpat, and the Torah really has a, a full picture for every single instance in reality, whether it's on an individual level, a communal level, and even on a national level. The Torah has what to say. That's and, interesting, uh, I, yeah. and I would love to, to explore that because there, even though, you, like I hear that the Torah does have a lot to say about a lot of things, but there's a lot that's left unspoken. Um, for example, in what type of government we should have. I mean, this is a sugya, you know, the Barbanel talks about it, and, and uh, even the, the, the Drusha Saran gets into it. There's a beautiful piece in there. But we don't really have an idea, and I think that living for 2,000 years in Gullus, we don't, there aren't really many Jews that actually have a vision or, or let's say, you know, like a political agenda where they feel like, ah, this is how we should live as Jews. Like, the American Jews are, are in, in general, you know, I mean, I guess it depends which circles of American Jews, but you, but their their American their their political beliefs or and their belief of how government should run is how they think America should run, and so we should kind of like bring that to Eretz Yisrael. And there's different in Yanim, but where do we actually see that the Torah really talks about how to have a government? I mean, we don't okay, we, so we don't really see a police force, uh, you know, even though we know that they did have. Shayftim, shayftim, shayftim. It's a pasuk. Shayftim, shayftim, shayftim. That's true, but take a look at the Chinuch and the Rambam. It's a good question you're bringing up, and look, it's 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 um you're definitely making a point with the fact that Am Yisrael over two thousand years did not really have the ability to have their own government. So there's a lot of there's a what's you know what some might refer to as a cholopane, a big right. vacuum, a lack of a lack of svarim and information. However, if it's if it's something that fascinates you, I'll let you know that today there are many many svarim on the subject with sources down to the finest details of Shitat Memshal, what is the proper Shitat Memshal for Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. And again, like in every section of Torah, there's different sugyas. I myself in these days am completing a ma'amar on erecting something similar to a Sanhedrin, what I call a Guf Rabbani Merkazi, a central committee, a central um, group of Rabbanim that's going to have, or what I would like to have, Rabbanim from all the different circles of of Orthodox Jews here in Eretz Yisrael. And ultimately, um, the idea is that, you know, we should have one group of Rabbanim making the final decisions as to whether it's political decisions, whether it's halachic decisions, very similar to Sanhedrin. The reason why I say similar to the Sanhedrin is because uh, there's a lot of controversy about, you know, whether we can have a Sanhedrin. We don't have the smicha. We do have the smicha. That was a whole discussion of itself, and there's many sfarim on that. I personally believe that we could, I go with the Rambam, that we could have a Sanhedrin. There's a very famous Rambam that says that if we get the Haskama of all the great Rabbanim in Eretz Yisrael to give smicha to someone, he says, that's how we give mechadash the smicha. But again, this is a whole topic, and, and, and you could do a whole set of series of podcasts on this. The, all I'm trying to bring out is that, again, Mikdash, uh, uh, Melech and Sanhedrin are the, the fundamental principles of, of Jewish government. And what the idea is, understanding what those concepts translate into in our times. And Baruch Hashem, over the years, there's more and more discussion about this. And there's many svarim. As I said, I'd be happy to, to, um, to refer you to them. 
again, as someone who studied law, you know, we're familiar with the, uh, the three branches of government in America. It's referred to the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. Here in Eretz Yisrael, we have the Marechet HaMishpat. We have the, uh, which some say today is a Marechet Politica, but that's another podcast. Uh, we have the Knesset, which makes the laws, and we have the Memshalah, which carries out the Medinyut. And again, taking these three branches, what I say to a lot of people many times, they say, what we're after is establishing a state, or I don't even, you know, it's not about establishing a state, it's bringing the state closer to Torah values. In other words, you're right, the Torah doesn't go and tell us, you know, wait, make a Knesset and make X amount of members, and it doesn't go into the very, very nitty-gritty details like the modern-day Chok does. It gives us values, it gives us principles, and we can extrapolate from those principles to understand you know, what, it is, what is upon us to do. For example, you know, there's a lot of this, in, in Hebrew University, there's a whole department that deals with taking the modern Israeli law and comparing it to halacha and seeing where the halacha has differences and working to try to promote the halacha to become a part of modern Israeli law. That's one angle that it comes from. There's another angle where it's developing the Batei Din and working to give more Samchuyot to the Batei Din. You know, just to throw out an example, the concept of, you know, something which unfortunately comes up a lot in our days. In, in, in our legal system, you know, um, there's a lot of the, what's called the Malkata Rayot. The, 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 the best proof for something is when someone, you know, admits something on his own that he committed a crime. Whereas in Halacha, we have a concept when it comes to Dine Nefashis, at least, ain't nothing Mason my Russia. We cannot judge someone based on his own Hoidah. So it's a very amazing thing to look at the, you know, the, the, the differences and, and, and the nafkaminas that that has with regards to how we achieve Mishpat Tzedek. Right. Again, this is a whole world of in its own. But so um, let, me, let me ask yeah. you, is there, is there a political party that is promoting this, that promoting this bigger vision um, for, 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 you know, for halachic Eretz Yisrael? So that's, that's, a, that's a more difficult question. And um, the truth is, when I look at political parties, more than I look at the parties, I look at the people in the party. In other words, I don't know of any party today. The truth is, if you look at Likud, Likud's manual you know, officially promotes very similar things that we're talking about. But again, that has nothing to do with, if, when you look at their, their, their matzah, you look at their mission statement, but it has nothing to do with what's going on the ground. Um, I don't know of any parties today that you know, openly call for these things. And the reason for that is because, because these are delicate topics that are surrounded with lots of stigmas, negative stigmas, unfortunately, and controversy. And the political system is not built for that. It's not built for coming and holding your MS out on a flag openly. Uh, you know, that's just really going to turn you into someone, you might call you a demagogue, a crazy, radical nut, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the way, you know, the, the, the people that, you know, have a little chachman and actually care and want to promote things, you know, you don't talk too openly about things, but slowly, slowly, where you can, you're trying to, you're trying to, uh, to, to push certain agendas. Again, one of the difficult things is that at the same time, you have to swallow a lot of frogs that might not fit with the agenda and might even take us backward. And this is the whole discussion, you know, where do we draw our lines, right. what we're willing I, I to mean, do. I will tell you from behind the scenes, there is a, a effort going on now to unite a number of different uh, kahilas, and they're hopefully going to be launching soon a party called Machane Yisrael, and they are going to be talking more openly about these ideas. Uh, we've yet to see uh, any, any, you know, major 
forward movement yet, but uh, it's a shame. You know, it's, it's a process. This, in my eyes, is part of the, of the kima kima of the process of slowly building what, what's called in Hebrew toda'ah, awareness and, and understanding and realization. This is just, again, this is a chazoin that, you know, I tell people, they look at me, they say, Kavonis, are you crazy? I say, you know, the two things that they had to do to get out of Mitzrayim, what were they? Dam Pesach and Dam Mila. The Dam Mila is the individual bris that everybody makes with Hashem. Every individual has the Dam Mila. And the Pesach, a Pesach is a carbon seabor. It's something that you bring with Chabura. It's the communal, it's the, it's the national bris between um, Am Yisrael and Akash Baruch Hu. And we see again, before they came into Eretz Yisrael, the emphasis on the having bris Mila, the individual bris, as well as the carbon Pesach, the communal bris. And I said to them, does bris Mila make any more sense to you than Kabonis? I mean, to me, it sounds more cruel, ridiculous, uh, but we don't even think about it. You know why? Because we're used to it. It was never taken away from us. It was something that we always did. And when you try to introduce things that people are not used to, it's just part of our natural tendency to, you know, we, we can't relate to this. You know, what is this? It's, it's, it's pagan. How does this talk to me? It doesn't apply in our times. But the bottom line, you look at Brismila, it's not very different. <laughs> if anything, it might be a little more crazy. And, and we do it. And we believe in it. And even, you know, 99% of, of, of uh, Jews in Israel, even, you know, they do bris milah. It's an amazing thing. So I think it's a process. We're in a process and it's our job, the Shem and Mitzvahs, to, 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 to do whatever we can to bring these concepts, first and foremost, our community. Once the Haredis, uh, the Haredi Tzibu understands the significance of this, then we could spill it over and bring it to other people outside the community. But uh, it's a slow process. And just you like... Think- uh, do yeah. you think the Haredi community is going to actually get behind you and carry this flag? I mean, I think there are individuals in the Haredi community, but it seems to me that you might have a better chance of getting people on board that are less fully committed to the Haredi community. The Haredi community, even politically, it kind of always seems like their, their whole way of dealing with these type of issues are like, we're not dealing with it. You know, we're, we're just going to fight for our own stuff. We're going to deal with our own, you know, small, small. And it, that's one of the issues I had politically getting behind Rabbanim and things like that, that, that didn't have a broad vision. Like, how, how could you tell me that I should, you know, that I should believe in you if you're only talking about a, such a small segment of Am Yisrael? And I, I'm curious, because to me, I think that you might have many more people buying into this vision and to these ideas from a broader spectrum. And yet you, a few times you mentioned like, that you feel that this is an onus on the Haredi community to really get this going. Yeah. So um, that's, that's an old discussion. And um, again, there's what's referred to in the Tanya as a derech ktsara shi aruka, a derech aruka shi ktsara. And a derech ktsara shi aruka is, you know, it's in a chanami. It's easier to go to more open-minded people from the Datilu, from certain circles in the Datilu Mi community. And, various chilonim that feel a lot of, uh, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, what's called, uh, you know, a leiv cham to Yiddishkeit and, and varma, you know, a varmkeit. And, you know, there's a lot of ruach there. And obviously that's tremendous. And, and it's, 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 it's amazing and, you know, has to be utilized. We have to do everything we can to get everyone on board. However, uh, two things. First of all, to a certain extent, I see the Haredi community as the future of, of, um, the, the core community of Shemir Torah Mitzvahs here in Eretz Yisrael, you just have to take a look at the numbers of our demographics and, and how the Haredi community is growing. And, you know, some predict 20 years, some predict 30 years. 
but they're going to be a very big majority here. And they're gonna, and, and we see in politics, we see in just about every field, the Haredim are becoming more and more of a player. And a number of things are happening. First of all, the one thing that tells me is ready, is rega. If, if this is going to happen, then we need to make a change because, you know, we don't want, you know, we don't want Chas V'Shalem, the Chavrei Knesset, you know, hiring the United Nations to come run, run Israel for us because, you know, we don't deal with, uh, you know, we don't deal with the Goyim and we don't deal with this, you know. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. That's obviously, but, but, but again, what we need to do is now's the time to step in there and, and, and make every bit of a change we can. And number two, and this is more in my Kedusha Sian activism, I see it happening. Part of what's happening as the Haredi community is expanding and growing, more and more Haredim are integrating and stepping out of the, the closed yeshiva circle and becoming more part of Israel. And they're starting to ask themselves the questions, you know, as a Haredi, where do I stand? You know, is Yom Ha'atzmaut something that talks to me? You know, is it, is it a halachic thing? Is it a chiloni thing? Is Yom Yerushalayim something that talks to me? And what we're doing, which Baruch Hashem has been growing rapidly, you know, unfortunately this year we couldn't have a kennis, but last year we had Yom Yerushalayim, we had over a thousand people came to our kennis, and uh, we have shiurim, we do trips, we took people last summer to Yudav uh, Shomron, we planted grapes, we had, the buses were packed, we, uh, you, you tell know, us we, what what is what is uh, kedusha Sion? If you have a minute, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to interrupt the, the the video. I mean, I could run and get in alone to just show you a picture. Is that is that all right? Or yeah, sure. Let's pause for a second. Okay. So going back to what I was saying, we're going to talk about the kedusha Sion in a minute. But I was just saying to Yehuda that um, I deal with people from many backgrounds throughout my day. I deal with uh, you know, working in a law firm. You know, people that are very disconnected from these topics. Everything's very serious there, business-oriented. I deal with Chilonim from Hebrew University, from very left-wing. I actually speak semi-fluent Arabic. I know a number of Arabs uh, that I deal with. Um, um, I deal with, uh, you know, Temple Mount activists, typical Haredim, you know, more Kanoyesh Haredim, Datilumi, various circles in the Datilumi. And part of what... And part of what I'm doing throughout my day is, you know, trying to figure out how can I best relate to this person in a way that I'm not going to scare him off or in a way that he'll be able to, you know, understand what I'm saying. Sometimes I can't talk about things at all because I understand there's no clee. This goes back to what we were talking about, creating a clee. Right. There's no clee. And one of the things that I love by Yehuda Race, the, the guys that my brother Izzy hangs out with, um, I don't know if anyone here knows Izzy in the crowd, but uh, one Absolutely. day you're going to hear of him, is that there's such an openness, there's such a, it's, it's such an MS Dicker, chuka for MS. And, and this is really, I think, what, what started me off in a certain sense. When, you, when someone learns Panini Satoru and someone's constantly working on his connection with Hashem, part of MS and Hashem go together. There's the famous remez that the word MS, if you take the word MS, it's Aleph Mem Sof. And the Aleph we know is made out of a Yud Yud and a Vav which is 26, which is Havaya. So if you take away the Aleph, you're left with Mace. When you bring in Hashem, you have Emes. And this is what Emes is. So it's an amazing privilege to be with Emes digger people, people that are looking to fix themselves and learn more. And they're always open to have a discussion because it's like, I don't have any agenda. I don't have anything to lose. I'm here to find the Emes. So, I, you know, you could talk freely and, 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 and new topics come up and, and whole new worlds are opened up. It's a tremendous, it's Moichin the Godless. So I just yeah. want to thank you for that, Yehuda. 
Well, I, I appreciate it. I, and this is a tremendous conversation. I, I've been excited, looking forward to having you on. And I think that during the three weeks is, is an, you know, a, a poignant time to have some of these conversations when we're looking at, you know, we're, we're trying to notice the parts in us and in Amisral that are broken. And we're trying to say, okay, how do we mourn those parts? And then how do we heal them? Um, I actually think that you, you mentioned a few things that also kind of are, are an interesting idea and could be also, it's a whole nother conversation. And it's a conversation I've been having with many people recently is the idea of experience. Like you've mentioned this a few times, like I wanted experience the closeness with Hashem. I wanted to, you know, like when you talk about going to Harabayas, that experience of feeling Hashra, Sashrina, on a certain extent, I've, I have found that in the yeshiva world, there's almost a bit of a fear around experience as well. It's, it's so much, it's, there's almost like, wh- who says you can experience Hashem? You know, like, what do you mean? Who says? Like, isn't that why we're davening? Isn't that why we're learning Torah? Isn't that why we're serving Hashem? Yeah, but, but maybe it's not real. Like, the only thing that is real is if you completely, and I hear it, there, there's been a lot of issues throughout Jewish history about, you know, ex- running into experience can, can take us away and we can get lost, you know, down that tunnel as well. But, but there's definitely a drive within me to, to make a shiluv, to make that synthesis of experience in Judaism and also the law and each one of them are supposed to experience is how I actually am connected to Hashem and the law kind of keeps me grounded so that my ego and that my you know I don't I don't lose myself um but I, I and I really would love to talk about that also you know when you got when you went to Harabayas what was your experience and how did you balance that like you know that search for experience of closeness yeah, so, so this is a very important discussion. And, you know, a lot of times, again, you have people from the halacha community where the whole Harabayas discussion is just about halacha. I'm not talking about anything else. I did an interview a while ago with a guy named David Lichtenstein. It was a very nice show called the uh, Headlines Interviews. You may or may not have heard of it. And there was a pretty much a halachic discussion. And, yeah, that's a very important discussion. And people want to know, you know, is what I'm doing okay according to halacha? And, again, I don't know the purpose of this podcast – so if we don't want to go into that, we're not going to go into that. Whoever wants to learn more about it is welcome to ask me. I'm not hiding any cards. I'm open to discuss that. But, but what the key underlying thing is, you know, and this is halacha, milash, and halicha, is, is getting into the experience. And, and for me, uh, Harabayas was a life changer. It started out as, it started out, I'll tell you something. It started out as more of like, a, you know, similar to Yiddishkeit, you know, I wasn't about tshuva, but I see myself as about tshuva in a certain sense. And the fact that, you know, I, I grew up one way and, and, and when I discovered Panimia Satoria, I felt like I've been rejuvenated. And I think everyone in a certain sense is supposed to go through about tshuva moments in their lives, if not all the time. You know, but, um, it started out as like, okay, this is something new. I was a little nervous about it. Like, you know, do I want to be public about it? You know, Where's my place with Harabayas? And as I started making a treatise, I started, I had friends there that we started going and now, Baruch Hashem, they have a koil there that sits every morning in the entrance to Harabayas. They learn Kodshim and they go up every single day and they say the Karman Atomid, you know, you know, 50 meters from the Makam Amizbeach. And we have a special Shemayna Esrei now with uh, the Nusach Harabayas, which was approved by Herschel Schachter and other Rabbanim. Um, and, and the more you make a treatise, as I started making a treatise, I realized Wow, this is this is something else. It's it's. I, I told people, it, it's one thing to theoretically learn. You know, 
there's, you want to be a professor, you want to be a mathematician, you sit in with the books all day. But Judaism is about doing. We do mitzvahs. You know, we, we take lulav and esrit, we take plants, and we throw them up in the air. I mean, what are we doing? And, and you have kavanas ariza, but at the end of the day, you can't just do the kavanas. You need to do the mitzvah. There's maisa. Judaism is full of maisa. It's not Christianity where maisa, you know, there's a very small emphasis on maisa. Eh, you do it in this time, that time, they're not, it's, it, it, again, the chas v'shom, we're not even comparing. There's many other issues. But, but there's a tremendous focus on maisa in Yiddishkeit. And, and, uh, and part of what Misa is, is, you know, what's so unique about Misa is that it gives you the experience. It gives you, I tell people, I say, you know, what, what was a carbon all about? This is one of my, one of the things I talk about when I talk about carbonus. You did the smicha. You put your hands on the behemoth. We know Chazal say, you're supposed to think about how keilu it's me. Now you can imagine all these things in your head. But did you ever go down to a farm and actually hold a sheep and, and sit with it and think about like what it means, what are animals and, and you know, the nefesh abahami within yourself? Try it. It's a whole different isbaidiness. I used to do when I was a bachar, midepama, I did shmirah for people that had a, a chavot, you know, in, in, in the shomron. And, you know, sometimes people would come to steal sheep in the night. And I would, you know, they had, they had to have people to constantly watch. So we would help out the owners instead of having to stay up all night. They could get a little sleep and bachar would come. We arranged for bachar to come watch the sheep. And we sat with the sheep. And I remember we did before Pesach, you know, thought about it, tying a sheep to your bed. And like, you know... <laughs> It's just, we're not used to this in 2020. This is so distant from us. And, uh, and, and, but really what this is all about is experience. When you come to the Harabayas and, you know, we say the words, we sing the song. And the first thing that comes to our mind is the Gemara with the Stender in the base Medrash. But if you read the literal words, Shifti who's talking about sitting in the Makama Mikdash, with Hashem, you think to yourself, what's the big godless sitting in a sitting in a stone place? Well, the Iker is the yeshiva, is the Gemara, is this. <clears throat> Again, that's very important. The, 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 the theological, the, the, the theoretical, the learning, the limud is also a tremendous thing. But there's the Misa. And part of, in general, part of coming back to Eretz Yisrael, the Chlau, the whole concept of how the Nisim were taken away. And Hashem wants us to work the land and the... And the, and the uh, and, and all the mitzvahs are Tluyas Ba'aretz. You know, I have a friend who has a, a koil called Dorshe Tzioin, and, they, and they, uh, he planted wheat uh, in, uh, somewhere in the Gush, outside of Yeshuv called Meitzad, which I'm actually moving to very soon. He planted wheat. He got a hold from archaeologists of the original Chita Hakneinis, the Chita that the Torah talks about. When the Torah talks, the, the grains they use today is commercial grains, commercialized from Europe. But he got a hold of the original grain of Israel, the Eretz Yisroel, and he planted a field and they went and they harvested it with the kalim that were used in Chazal and they demonstrated all the lamites malachas that relate to harvesting and they took peyah and leket and shikha and it's a whole nother chavaya. the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael come alive the mitzvahs of the Torah come alive and, and, and even more so all of this is, is you know magnified and multiplied when it comes to Mikdash Mikdash has about a third of the mitzvahs that we don't even have a connection to I used to say people say we said the people when we learned in, in one of the koilim I was in for at Kufa, we learned the Paraduma, all about Pora and Hilchis Tara and reinstituting Tahara and, and, and the Paraduma. And I said, people in the Mikdash must look at us Jews today as like reform. Like, you guys have no clue what's going on. You don't know Tahara, you don't know Mikdash, you're missing the basics. That was their basic wow. connection with, the, with, with Judaism. And we don't have that today. And, and, and part of what makes it more difficult, and this goal closes into the three weeks. You know, we, we used to, we grow up the three weeks, you know, 
we're yearning for Beis Hamikdash, and we're going to do mitzvahs, and Hashem is going to bring it down. And and uh, and you know, if we do achtas, we're used to hearing the Chofetz Chaim shir. You know, we have to, we can't speak Gosh and Hara and work on sinners chinam and everything like that. And again, these are all beautiful things. But there's something missing here. We're forgetting. We have an obligation today. A mitzvah essay, Vasuli Mikdash Rishachanti B'Seichem, Paskin by all the Rishonim. And nobody says that it doesn't apply today to go build the base of Mikdash. And I say over that the Pshat and the Gemara, that the base of Mikdash was destroyed, Sinas Chinam. It doesn't mean to say that Ahavas Chinam is magically going to build the base of Mikdash. It means, of course, you have to go build the base of Mikdash. But understand, if you guys can't get along, there's no way a Mikdash is going to last. Because there's only one Kayin Gadol, there's only one Mizbeach, there's only one Beis HaMikdash. And if you can't figure out how to have Charedim and Datilumi and Chiloni and Masorti, everybody together, there's no concept of a Mikdash. And that's the message of the Gemara. But unfortunately, part of what happened throughout the Gullis is we interpreted it, we took it to a, metaphor, a metaphysical explanations, and now people think, you know, we're going to we'll do mixtures, and it builds up. My kid came home from Cheder yesterday, and I told him, let's go build, let's get tractors, and he starts telling me, no, we're going to do mixtures. And, and again, it's, I don't want to knock that. There's a lot of beautiful things to that, but unfortunately, and, and, and based on my understanding of Makaris and the realizations that I've come to, that's not the, that, that's not the way we're supposed to be looking at it now. The perspective we have to have is that we need to do everything in our power to build Beis HaMikdash, just like we do everything in our power to go get that good estrig for Sukkis. And we look and we spend hours. It's a mitzvah just like any other mitzvah. We got to go do physical actions to achieve that mitzvah and, and do physical actions to achieve the ability to bring the carbon Pesach. You know, people talk about the, the fear of Karis on Harabayas. Let me tell you something. There's only two mitzvahs in the Torah, mitzvahs essays that also have an Oynish Karis. One of them is right. Milo going back to Mila, and one's Korban Pesach. If you have the ability to bring Korban Pesach and you don't bring it, you have Karis. And that's a very scary thing to think about. You know, here we have Medinat Yisrael, Bishniyah. We could shut down the Harabais, Erev Pesach. It's been shut down many times in the past when there was a terror attack uh, 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 two and a half years ago. And we could have technically come and set up a Mizbeach. The Allah is Makriv and Afu Pishim Bayes. There's been a koilo that's been learning these sugis for many years and has everything mapped out, exactly how to do it. Every year before Pesach, we have a Tirgul Korban Pesach, where they do a live demonstration of all the steps. We have Koyhanim, we have everything. And, and, and so this is what I cry about in Tisha B'Av and, 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 and the three weeks. It's sad to me that, that, we're, that we're still crying in a sense. In other words, that our whole perspective is still a Golas perspective. I love to say, we sing on Shabbos, V'apeg yas amech mi galusa. I switch around the words and I say, uh, The Golas is in our veins, is flowing through our blood so much more than we're actually in Golas. And now we're in a, 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 a mental Golas. We're in an emotional Golas. We, we don't understand. We haven't yet understood the, the ability that we have to fulfill these mitzvahs and the purpose that we have here in Eretz Yisrael, the spiritual purpose. Just imagine the base of mitzvahs is supposed to be a base the center of the world. Imagine Donald Trump coming, bringing a carbon, and Vladimir Putin, when they come for a diplomatic visit in Israel, the first thing they do is to bring a carbon to thank the God of Israel. It's an amazing thing. We're talking about a new world order. There's nothing like this in any other religion, in any other place in the world, a house of worship for all nations. And it's an unbelievable thing. And this is the ultimate light onto the nations, teaching Bnei Noyach and, and Goyim how to have a void Hashem and how they could be a part of it in their and they're each one in every each one in their own way. You know, the Sanhedrin used to speak 70 languages. You know, when I think about the Misrata Chutz that we need to have, is it just about, you know, 
economic relations or teaching what, you know, how can we bring, spread the spirituality? I, I follow some uh, African-American gayrim on Facebook, a guy named Mordechai Ben Avram and others, and they, they talk about, you know, the Jewish technology, the spiritual technology that we have, the technology of Shabbat, the technology of, of, of Kashris and Mitzvahs. These are, you know, this is the, the most advanced high tech that, that there is. You know, we're way, our, our religion is, you know, so much more developed than, than, than everything else. And uh, ultimately, they, you know, Islam, as we know, and, and Christianity come from uh, the, the mother religion, from, from Yiddishkeit. And, you know, we, we, this is all part of the process of us asking ourselves, you know, what is our ultimate goal here in Israel as a nation, as a state, as a country, as a, as a, as a light onto the world, as a beacon onto the nations. And um, again, so part of my, my experience for Tisha B'Av is it's, it's somewhat frustration and, and, and yearning for, you know, when is Amishol going to wake up more and, and, and you know, asking myself, what can I do more to, to, uh, to help be a process of waking up Amishol and realizing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us everything. We just need to do. Hashem's sitting there in Shemayim. He's smiling. He's saying, Harabayas is here. I gave it to you. I gave you an army. I gave you an economy. I gave you, you know, yeshivas. I gave you halacha. I gave you everything. You just need to do. Come to the Suda. Come build my home. Come bring me in. I'm waiting to come down. I'm waiting. You know, don't, be, don't just think about the taxivim and the yeshiva. And don't just think about the... Uh, the uh, uh, the Eurovision or the, uh, the, 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 the sports or the economy, you know, what we're going to start asking ourselves, you know, what can we do to invite Hashem into Medinat Israel? You know, we talk about inviting Hashem into our personal lives, but we have to start thinking as a nation. What can we do to invite Hashem into Medinat Israel? And when we start thinking more in that direction and working towards that, Hashem's going to come in. This is Isra'usa de la Tata, Isra'usa de la Eila. Amazing. Mamash, amazing. Um, I wanted to, to can you can you share look with me like a little bit about your first experience going up to Harabayas? You know, first of all, just even obviously halakhically, I guess you kind of got a certain level of comfortability with it. Um, that you saw people that that's I don't we don't have to go into all the details. I know that you have countless you know, and maybe I'll share also where we can learn and where we can you know see these slideshows and things. And obviously, we also wanted to get back to the Kedusha's Zion, but we'll get back to that soon. But the but what was your experience like going up there? That the, you know the experience, the 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 transition from just like you said, it's a rejuvenating thing. I know for me, I get rejuvenated by going to the Kotel. It's incredible for me. Um, I love being there. I could sit there for three, four hours, and it renews me. I I, I go to Uman uh, not every year, but I try to go for Rosh Hashanah. The kibbutz is Mamash Abachina. Like it, it gave me an experience of what Ola Regal must have been like. The kibbutz of, of thousands of Jews from all flavors, going to Reb Shimon, going to Baba Sali. Like we're beginning to experience some of these, you know, national gatherings where Jews from all different flavors are coming together. And it's, it's a tremendous experience. And I love going to, you know, to Kivrei Tzadikim. Um, Kivrei Tzadikim are amazing for me. Like they really rejuvenate me. But Harabayas is like another level. Tuck, you share with us, like, you know, your experience. Okay, so, so um, I, did, I did mention a little bit about it earlier. Um, when, I, when I talk a little about this, I'm also going to just very briefly talk on some halacha. Yeah, because, good. You know, I think it is good that, you know, people here should get a little bit of an exposure to the halacha. Um, at the end of the day, we said that, you know, the halacha is what holds us down and, and guides our experiences. 
So, as I said, I was I had been getting close to the Zilberman community, and there was like a little bit of uh, you know, mostly Americans, like a you know a group. You know, some people refer to them as the Machakrim. You know, you know, eh, we were very into the Tcheles and and other things and and exploring, and we used to sit in the Chorva, and I used to come day palm. I wasn't like Kavua there, and a number of Chavos started learning about the Sugi of Harabayas, and uh, I also started getting involved. And we started, we started going through all the Makairis and, 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 you know, with everything that's been written on it and the history and the archaeology and, and everything, you know, I was, you know, this is something very important. I said, you know, we got to, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. You know, you're going to step into a, an area that's karas, you know, again, just, just to put things in perspective, you know, every time you do a malacha on Shabbos, b'meizid, you chai of karas. And for married people, you know, the issue of need is an issue of karas. So it's not like we don't deal with karas in our lives, but there's something different about like, you know, Okay, you know, I made a mistake in Elche Shabbos. Obviously, you know, hopefully we're not talking to anyone that's violating Shabbos. B'meizid, b'meizid, you know, even if we're amazed from, uh, you know, uh, Yetzirah, but, you know, we're, we're still, uh, we want to do the right thing. Right, but, um, but uh, it's something else to just, you know, feel like I'm walking in a place where there's like, you see the chorus, you know, flying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Once I, if I go to the chorus, am I going to die? Like, he thought he's going to die. Like, you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to make fun of that emotion, but you know, but this is, this is how we grow up in a certain sense. It's like a scary thing. So obviously I was learning all the Macquarius and I just want to show here very briefly, um, a little map. You might be able to see it here mm -hmm. in the video. It's a little hard. Okay. So if you, if you could see the map, um, it's hard for me to, to, to show things with my finger cause I'm just holding the book, but basically here's the dome of the rock. Okay. And this is where the Beisamikta stood. And Okay. And that whole big box all around. Okay. There's two boxes. There's the square box that we see right here. Okay. This is the original Harabais. We know from the Mishnah and Midas, the, the Harabais was 500 Amis by 500 Amis, which is by 250 meters by 250 meters. That was the original Harabais built by Shloim Amalech. Okay. The Harabais we talk about today is an extended Harabais. It's almost on the, on the Western side. It's almost, um, wait, am I holding it upside down? No, it doesn't matter. Whatever. No, you're right. Um, I'm actually showing it this way. That's right. The, the, um, the Harabais today, here's the, here's the Western wall. Okay. Here's where the Koisel is, this purple. The Koisel, by the way, we talked about the Koisel. If you, if you ever been around the walls of Harabais, you'll see it's just a small part of a wall that spans 500 meters. Okay. From here, all the way to here. 486 to be precise, and it was built by Hordis, and this was actually the parking lot of Beis Hamikdash. All along here were the Shvakim, where the marketplaces, and the Chamorim, and this was probably where they were selling, you know, things for Kabbonis. It's you see, you know, down over here, you could see remnants of uh, of the marketplaces, and one of the, the major gates with the Shari Chulda coming up from the south. Okay. Now another important thing for people to understand: this is not the Al Aqsa Mosque, this golden dome. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is the gray dome off to the south. Okay, this was a dome that was built 1,300 years ago by the first Muslim conqueror named Omar ibn al-Khattab. And he built it, believe it or not, and in this conscious we have the sources, because he had a very good relationship with the Jews. He came and conquered the Crusades. The Crusades were terrible to the Jews. And Jews fought in the army with him. And he said, I want to do a chorus at And he said, where was, show me where your mikdash was. I want to build a building in honor of your mikdash. And that's what this building is. It's over a massive piece of bedrock, 
a huge stone, which is about 13 by 17 meters, which is the Evan Shesia, the foundational stone, where the world began, Misham Hushta Sa'olam, where Adam Arishim was, was made from the offer over here, and Adam Arishim brought a carbon, and Kain Vehevel, and, and uh, Noyach after the Mabul, and uh, the Akedis Yitzchok, most famously, Yaakov Avinu slept here. So this is the center of, of just about every. Thing. And the Rishayim and others talk about the tremendous power of tefillah. You know, as you mentioned, going to Kivit Sadiqim, there's a, there's, a, there's a school of tefillah. The ultimate school of tefillah is over here. This is the place where, where we have it. The Chazal tell us this is the gates to heaven. This is Shloim talks about it when he built the Beis HaMikdash. Hamisham Yishma Tefillah A person's tefillah goes straight up. This is the gate. This is where all the tefillahs come to. So and that's can another... I, can I ask yeah. a question? Um, sure. I, I know that there are some, there are some that say that uh that when they told him they didn't tell him the exact correct place and there are many people that say that could be the the, the bias was actually more in front of where the kosa amaravi is um you know they say first of all how could it be that amisral is going to be completely wrong and we also there's also different supports for such a thing through the different um you know i forgot some warren uh, i forgot some of the different the different uh, excavators that were there over the years they were trying to prove where where actually the old bias was okay, okay and also also they say the, the pasuk says that that it's going to be a uh you know a plowed field and there's only one part of harabias which is still actually nothing built on it and that's actually directly you know it's mamish you know shualim halchubai they play soccer on there is it how do we know that maybe the bias wasn't there Okay, so again, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing personal, but you know, as most people do, uh, that don't, you know, either not learn the sugi of harabais or not been to harabais, there's a number of mistakes that you made in what you said. Um, there's actually a number of places on harabais where there's nothing built there. The majority of harabais has nothing built on it. Um, again, also Charles Warren and Charles Wilson were British explorers that didn't really deal with the question of where the Mikdash was, they dealt with a different question. It was always hard because Jerusalem's built on hills, so it was difficult to get water to Jerusalem. And they knew that there was a lot of water needed for the Beis HaMikdash. It says that they used to wash out the entire Azara after, after the Regalim, it was filled, the blood came up to the ankles of the, uh, <clears throat> the Arkuvais of the Kehanim. And they had a whole mechanism how they used to have two drain holes where the water drew, washed out into the Kidron. So what they did was they made about 40 uh, a cistern. There's, there's a lot of boiris on the Harabais. When you're on the Harabais, you see all these little holes, structures. There's usually a little tower over them that was built in later periods. But there's many boiris. And there's a whole marechet mayim underneath the Harabais. And what they did as part of their research, and this is actually a proof to where, the, where we uh, place, and, and almost all archaeologists place the Malcolm Amikdash, which is over here, is they made what's called a topographical map. They measured where all the bedrock of the mountain is, and they made a topographical map. I might have a picture of it, actually, in this, uh, in this countries here. You can see, this is a, a, a topographical map. You see all the lines. All those lines show you the different heights of where the, uh, could you see a little bit? Uh, yeah, you got to go up a little bit. Oh, yeah, there's nice. These, there's all these lines. So what those lines are, they show the, the, the different areas of elevation. And this is actually one of the, the proofs to where the Malcolm Amikdash is because in the Mishnah, in, in Mishnah's Midas, the, the Mishnah is described as there were all the steps coming up into the Beis HaMikdash. And Sachakol, the Rambam actually even makes a picture of it. Um, 
the the sachakol was twist. You had first the uh, the madrigas coming into the Ezra's Nashim. You had the madrigas going from the Ezra's Nashim to the Ezra's Yisrael, and from there to the Ezra's Koyanim, and from there to the Ulam, and from there another three steps into the Kodesh Hagdashim. And the only place where topographically the steps will fit with the uh, with the mountain of the Mikdash is is the uh, if you put the Kodesh Hagdashim at the top of the mountain. Um, like the Psukim say, it was Arosh Piska Saharim, and the, the way uh, Josephus describes it as well. And uh, that's the, you know, ironically, that's the only place where it fits. And it happens to be the many, many Messiahs that we have, and we bring in this country here a number of, of, of the Messiahs that we have. That the, as I said earlier, the, the Golden Dome was built over the Kodesh Akdashim, so it all fits together. The Gain also says, and others, the Yaivits, they say that explicitly that it can't be that they built a platform for the Beis HaMikdash or they carved out things from the rock. He says, that in those days they had the capability to, to, uh, to move around those amounts of bedrock. Um, um, again, in the Yaivits' days, they didn't even have what we had. So, so just to think about it. But seeing Kasada Ticharish, so that's a question that people ask. You know, how could it be, um, you know, at the, uh, uh, how could it be at the, uh, uh, you know, first of all, they asked how's the you know one of the, the archaeologists that explored Harabias a little bit to the little extent that we were able to lean Ritmeyer, so he shows a number of remnants of the original walls. When I give a tour there, I point out tremendous things, fascinating things, remnants of the actual Mikdash that we see. And um, they say, how could there be anything left? How could it be on the mountain, on the tip of the mountain? It says Tzien Kasalti Kharish. If you look at the Mafarsh, and the Mafarshim explained that Tzien Kasalti Kharish. See, again, this is something I've I recently been talking to Izzy a lot about, you know, when learning Tanakh. We take our modern understanding of things and we apply it to the Tanakh. And a lot of times, because of that, we, we miss the um, true interpretation. But when you look at things in a historical context, there used to be a custom back in the, you know, the times of the Romans um, that when somebody wanted to show that he was like a techist, where they would take a, a cow with a plow and just go back and forth a few times. And that was like a sim, and that was the way of showing, that was the way of showing that, you know, we, we're on top of the person, and we're plowing him, and, we, and, and we've conquered him. So what the Pesukim are saying, it doesn't mean literally that they just flattened out everything. It's important. Those days, they didn't have the capability to flatten out the mountains. It was bedrock. I mean, we're talking about bedrock. The, the evidence you see is bedrock. And, and we see so many things. We see remnants. It's clear that that's not what they did. What it means is they came and they and they and they did this tekis that's described in, in, in outside sources and goyesha sources of you know bringing a shara back and forth and and that's what the navi is describing. <clears throat> so again, so so let's just get back to the original question. Yeah. So, so this is just a little bit of the halacha, just to recap, you know, very briefly. So again, the base, the makamah mikdash is just this area over here, okay? And the area of Karis, which is the Azara, is just this area over here. As with Nashim is only Xerimid Arbonan, there's no Karis. The Karis is only the Azara. As you can see, the Azara is about 5% of the entire Shatach of Harabayas, a huge area, okay? And obviously, people going to Harabayas, when we go up, we go on this path, we go around over here, we stay close to the wall, and then we come over here and come out this way. So we're very far from the Azara. We're not getting anywhere near the Azara. And, and, um, and from that standpoint, there's no question of cars. Another thing, you know, again, so first of all, as I said, we have the Masurah that this is the Mokum HaMikdash. We have the topographical proof that this was the Mokum HaMikdash. You could just use your logic also. You know, if the Mikdash was any over here, then the Ezra's Nashim would be going past the wall. Like I asked people, wait one second, how do you know the Harabais is the Harabais? Maybe the Mikdash. 
Mikdash was free, that the Christians believe it was down in Ir David. And then I say, well, if we don't know where anything is, maybe it's in Beit Shemesh. In other words, we have to, we, we have to start with a certain you know, basic understanding of you know, uh, 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 where the Makam HaMikdash could be. So it couldn't have been much more, you know, again, so the question is, was a little bit more to the right, was a little bit more to the left, like Tuvia Sagiv uh, uh, seems to believe. He's a, he's a Das Yachid that he thinks the, uh, the Mikdash was over here. But again, when you look at the facts and you look at the Messiah and you look at all the proofs that we have, there's, there's so many questions on his theory. Someone said that maybe Sagiv is from the Shabak. You know, he had he made up a false theory so people wouldn't go up to the higher bias. But uh, <clears throat> is there? Is, do you take in like? Are you able to go around and take in some of, even some of these? Uh, you know, dasichidim to not go near those spots. But some some people that are again, there's a question. Nobody nobody takes into Sagev seriously because he's really a das yachid and he's he's out the door. I'm talking, I'm talking about the uh, other way. Like yeah, more, yeah, no. So so what some people do though is, for example, Rev Koren. There's a discussion, there's something called the Chel. Now, the Chel was like a buffer zone around the Mikdash. Now, there's no chorus to go in there, but there's an Issa Durabonon. There's a Machloikis we show him. If there's an Issa Durabonon, Bismanazeh, could be the Issa Durabonon is only when the Mikdash is built. But there, but there is still, a, you know, some say there's an Issa Durabonon. And there's a question how big the Chel was. The Mishnah says, Vachel Eser Amos. And, and, and I forget if it's Rambam or Rashi says that Eser Amos means it was Eser Amos of elevation. In other words, the, the steps went up Eser Amos. But he doesn't say how wide it was. The, the, the Pashib shot is that the hill was Esser Amis wide. But there's a question as to how wide it was. And, and, and Rav Koran has some theories. There's an area, when you're on the actual higher bias, there's an area called the Rama, which is like a, an area that's lifted up more. Again, the higher is the higher. So the highest point's the, uh, the Dome of the Rock. And then there's this area called the Rama, which is like about, you know, three feet higher than the rest of the higher bias. And area is even more. And then... You could see the mountain goes slowly down to the north and obviously down to the south. This is where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is over here is actually a landfill. The mountain used to go down over here and hoard this. And really, it started from the times of Hashem They filled it up and extended the Harabais all the way out to here. And Wait, the original gate, the Shari Is that the Holder, way or the other side? Which side is the Al-Aqsa I'm sorry, over here. My apology. Yeah, I was a little confused. The southern side over here. And the, um, you actually see today the original entrances of the Shari Holder. They came in through tunnels. There were steps going up. Through the Harabayas, they came out in the floor. You could still see those original gateways today and experience what it meant. They came down from Ir David, from where the Yushalayim used to be, and they would come up to the Mikdash. So what some people said, so there's a question as to how big the Chel was. Some say the Chel is Esra Amaskipshut. And other people say that if Koran has a sheet, then maybe it goes all the way to the end of the Ramah. So some people won't go near the Ramah at all. The, the police don't really let us go on the Ramah, but some people come all the way up to the Ramah. But again, technically speaking, if somebody sticks to the walls all the way around, then uh, again, unless you, you know, unless you want to, you know, hypothesize that Mikdash was somewhere else, we have no idea. You're you're not getting into, you know, any 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 rachadikasafik at all. But I said nobody does that because there's there's very little reason to. We know that the Azar was over here. Maybe it was a little bit more to the right, a little bit more to the left, but no one's going anywhere near there in any case. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, so again, so that's just very briefly on the, on the, the halachic aspect. Obviously, uh, there's halachas of tahara before going to the harabais. The harabais is the status of machna levia. We know there was three camps, machna Yisrael, machna levia, machna kahuna. And there's the mitzvah of shiluach tmeim. Someone who's tamay mace is not allowed to go into the, um, the uh, machna kahuna, but he's allowed to go into the machna levia. It says, it's learned that of a pasik, that afila mace atzmai, because it says, Yosef, it says, Moshe brought the Asmus, Asmus Yosef, Imoy, Imoy be Machna Levia, because Moshe was in the Machna Levia. 
So even a, even a mace atzmai could go on to the harabayas. What's not allowed to go on to the harabayas is someone who's tummy from tumas hayoytis minaguf, which includes keri and yoletis, uh, zov, zovim, v'chule. However, a mechusar kipurim, Who's who is a uh, even if he's not a, even if he's not a tful yoyim I'm sorry even if he is a tful yoyim a tful yoyim means that he went to the mikveh that day in order to go into the ma'achet kruuna you need to have hair of shemesh but uh, into the ma'achet levi you don't have to have hair of shemesh and 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 um, tefill is enough again there is a little bit more complicated you know more, there's definitely more to learn about these halachas but this is very briefly if somebody goes to a mikveh which is kosher midday raisa you have to make sure your mikveh is kosher midday raisa. Umayim shuvim, and a mayan is good if it's a if it's a kosher mayan. Um, the yam is good, obviously, but most mikvoyes are becheskas. Again, the way you know is if it's kosher for tefilas kalim, then it's kosher for harabayas. Um, again, I, I I tell people, you know, before you actually go, make sure you have the halachas down pat. If you're actually tamei, then before you go into the mikvah, you can make a bracha because it's a tefila de raisa. It's not an opportunity we have all the time. Usually, only the women have that opportunity when they're toivel before nida. But then um, you actually make a, a bracha before the tefillah. And until so you come to the harabayas, and, um, and that's another aspect, by the way, a major aspect of the chavaya of going to harabayas, that you're actually being matar yourself, raisha, and there's actually a alachic, you know, a real function of hilchas tahara that you're being a part of, manazet. So that's an amazing thing. I've taken a number of, of chilonim to the harabayas, and I take them to the mikvah before, and it's like, it's like a whole eye-opener for them. You know, for us Hasidim, we go to make for every day, so you know, <laughs> might not be such a, a, a difference, but it's still there's something different about you know. You have to make sure you have no chatzitza and, and clean yourself appropriately before hearing yourself for, for base Hashem. So just to wrap up, yeah, Yosef, I'm just okay. So just to, to get back to the the question that you asked me, Yehuda, about my first experience. So I had been, you know, again, I just briefly, very, very briefly went through the halachic, halachic aspects of things. Obviously, there's so much more to learn, and I urge everybody to, to learn. You know, that's the first thing, the first part of, it says, basa shama. The Gemara says, David wanted to know where to build the base of Mikdash. Hashem said, first, go and learn the sugya. Do you so we have, start by learning. Do you have a place, do you have like a, a website or something where we can go through and learn like the things? Like I know you have the slides and everything. Is it is it publicly available? So unfortunately, uh, 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 we don't have a, a website that, that, you know, has everything. There are other websites that I'm happy to forward you to with lots of information. The countries I could send you, the slideshow, I would need permission. Um, I, I don't think the, the Mechav or the slideshow gives that out. We'd be happy to do the slideshow if you have a group that wants to see the slideshow. Do you guys ever do it on, on like Zoom? Like do a webinar on Zoom? That way people... have videos on YouTube of people doing the slideshow. So that's, that's definitely uh, okay. available. Um, but, but just very briefly, so, so I had been learning everything. I went through the sugya and I was starting to feel, you know, feeling getting into it and my, my engine was revving up. And it was getting near my birthday. And, uh, you know, there's a Rambam, there's a letter from the Rambam. The Rambam says that the first time he came to the, he says he was nichnas He writes about the, the first time he came to the Harabayas. And he says that after that, he made it a yomtiv gadol, you know, for the rest of his life to come to the Harabayas. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, my birthday, that's, you know, that's a, that's a time to, uh, that's a good time to, you know, to, to, to to make this move. And my, my birthday is actually on a, a Testavis, which is the, the yard site of Ezra HaSoifer. And Ezra HaSoifer, as we know, is one of the, uh, 
you know, the, um, the leaders of, of uh, Shiva's Tzion in the times of Bayashani. So I felt a lot of, you know, good vibes and, and Ashkocha. But I still wasn't sure. I was still hesitant, you know, this. And I was in the library. I was in the Sifri Alumi in uh, Hebrew University. I was looking for a certain book um, that, that, had, that had maps about the Harbayas and other things. And I was walking around there. And out of nowhere, out of like, you know, I turn a bookshelf and this friend of mine who actually had first introduced me to the Harbayas, his name's and uh, he he bangs into me, and he's like, um, he's like, you know, uh, he's like, oh, don't tell anybody, but you know, last week I went to the Harbayas, and uh, again, he, he officially is not public about it, so you know, maybe you want to censor the name of this part, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but everybody knows, it. but and I was like thinking, I was like, wow, like why the heck is he telling me that now, and um, and I was like, you know, I've been like just sitting on this, and like, and I'm like, look, tomorrow's my birthday, I thought I would go, he's like. Yalla, let's do it. And that was it. And I, I, I jumped in and I, you know, woke up early in the morning and I went and uh, Baruch Hashem, I haven't missed a birthday of being in Harbaya since. And um, I try to make a little suda. So tell me and, about it. So you wake up in the morning early and you do, you have to do all the pre- hachanas. So you wake up in the morning and you got to do the hachanas early. Right. So I was, you know, I was, I was being very careful and everything and, and, you know, you know, making sure I, I you know, do, you know, do a chafifa and, and properly clean myself. And uh, you're not allowed to wear leather shoes on the harabais because it's uh, the mitzvah of umikdashi uh, tiro. One of the drushes from Chazal is that you shouldn't go in leather shoes and you can't carry a pouch. And there's a whole another safer just in those halachas. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, making sure I'm doing everything properly. And then I come to the harabais. And actually, when I started going, unfortunately, uh, in those days, there weren't very many people going yet. It was just starting, the movement just started picking up then. Like when I was going, there was about maybe two, 300 people that went that year. And Baruch Hashem, four years later, there's over 30,000. So the movement really exploded then. I'll tell you, that's another piece that got me. And I'll tell you in a second with Yehuda Glick. So I was, um, I was, uh, yeah, that was another thing. I think that, that uh, by Yehuda Glick, I think he, uh, trying to remember the, 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 how the events played out. But we'll get to that in a minute. But, but um, so I was prepared and everything. And uh, I went to the Harbaez and, you know, it was, it was just, wow. It was actually seeing, seeing Mikdash and seeing, you know, this is where our forefathers did everything. This was the center of life. It was just an amazing feeling to, 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 um, to walk there. And that's sort of where I developed my mantra that I say to people, you know, one small step on the Harabayas is one Jewish, is one giant leap for the Jewish people. Tzad katan tzad gadol Because it's very simple. You're just walking around the place. But on the other hand, you're, you're taking massive, massive steps forward. The good mikdash and the advancement of the, the ultimate Jewish chazoyim. And, and it was just, it was an amazing experience. And, and not long after, I decided, so I have to make a kvias, you know. Just like we daven kavua, this it sort of became a davening for me. Like, you know, I would I would wait for the harabayas to, to you know save up all my special requests to Hashem, and uh, and it became like a you know a davening experience. You know, I felt like I had I have to go. Once you start going, you have to go bekfias. You know, you have to you have to always be connected to the harabayas. And I had long periods of time where I didn't go. I start feeling like a lack. You know, I gotta I gotta get to the har. Got to get to the har. Are you allowed to dive? They let you dive in up there? <clears throat> right. So in those days, as I started saying, I forgot. So it was, it was much more hostile. We used to be followed around by a group of uh, Arabs called the Murbatiyon, which was a, a group of women that was, you know, affiliated with Hamas. 
and they used to uh, they used to shout at us Al Akbar and all kinds of other curses, and they threw glass on the floor because they knew that you know we're gonna walk barefoot, so you know somebody should get injured, and they would you know they would try to get close, and we had that police, and you felt like a little bit more you know someone in a battle zone. There was not really not really any dangers, like there was like we were surrounded by police the entire time. You know they're more scared that you know maybe one of us will do something than than the Arabs, <laughs> but. Um, you know, that's sort of the mentality here with the police, and then you know, that's all another sheer. But uh, but but uh, but yeah. So that was a little bit intense. But Baruch Hashem, over the years, it's gotten much better. Gilad uh, Erdan a couple of years ago uh, throughout this this Mubatyon uh, group, and and today it's it's fairly quiet. Midday Palm, you have you know, if it's uh, during holidays or near holidays or uh, other times, you know, occasionally you have you know a little bit more of. Uh, you know, you know, various clashes on the har, but uh, again, and, and also what's gotten much better is the tefillah. It used to be like if you watering your lips, it was like they would they would arrest you and take you out, and it was a whole serious thing. And today, Baruch Hashem, we're, we're pretty much openly davening. I've been on Yom Tif a number of times. We sang halal as a group. It's an amazing thing to be singing halal. People have snuck lulav and esrig in their in their uh, sleeves, you know, and shake their arm because we know lulav and esrig is deraisa kol shiva in the uh, in the harabayas. There's machloikis about Yerushalayim, but the Harabayis, the Choladeis, is Bifnei Abayis, and it's a Zechel Aliyah Leregel. Yom Tif is my favorite time. Like, you know, I go Yom Tif, Rosh Hashanah, um, you know, that, that, that hits an Uman thing. My brother's always trying to drag me to Uman. I said, I'm happy to go, but Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah Harabayis is my place. <clears throat> we have a minion that davens, um, that davens by the Koysum, and um, <clears throat> we go up afterwards. <clears throat> Sometimes a uh, Try to have someone blowing shofar outside, and we hear it while we're inside. You know, the, the mitzvah shofar on the harabai says the raisa, and uh, um, and it's it's an amazing feeling just to, to be with Am Yisrael. You have you know, uh, there was another thing. You know, when I first started going to harabai, at that period also, I was very into achdus. I was very into working to to get people together, and I'm still into achdus. But then I was like working with you know you know let's make an achdus movement and let's make this movement. And, and one thing I started realizing is that, like, when your whole movement is, like, making achdus, like, I want to make achdus, a lot of times you don't have achdus because, you know, everyone's focused on, like, the fact that, you know, oh, we're all different and we're trying to make achdus. But when you just do something and it attracts all kinds of people, then the mele you have achdus. And I was, Harabayas, I realized, was something where the mele is achdus. You got a Haredi coming, you got a dat. There's only one base of mikdus. And by nature, it's something which is going to force us to have achdus and creates achdus. And it's, it's an amazing feeling, and it's been an amazing aspect of my Judaism. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I, as, as, the, as time went by, I, got, I, I, I learned more and, and became more excited to share and open up and, and, and teach others. And uh, I see it as part of my ultimate mission in um, connecting Am Yisrael to the Beis HaMikdash. And it's my dream to build, you know, to be part of building the Beis HaMikdash in my lifetime. And I was life we have everything we need it's just Man. in the mind we gotta we gotta get we gotta get out of the gullus mindset and get in line with the ghoul and start thinking big and start thinking about you know what we're really here for in israel and not start worrying every single you know everything about my we just gotta do and when we just do we do what the Torah says and we do what hashem says you know hashem protects us and and everything and everything turns out for the good and uh, this is what i'm trying to be a part of wow Incredible. Incredible. Thank you so much for that. I, I know that it's, it's getting late and we kind of wrap up, but we still haven't, maybe you could still tell us a little bit about Kedusha Sion. 
what this organization is, what is, what it, what it, I, I don't really know what it is. You told me that you're part of it, but I don't know what it actually is doing. Yeah. So very briefly, here's a, here's an example of, uh, of, um, you know, our last alone that we put out, um, we have Mamarim and we have, uh, we have, uh, pictures from, uh, you can see some of the pictures of some of the, the trips that we did and, and various other events. Um, but, but basically, Kedusha Tzirin is an organization, just in a nutshell, because again, we're running out of time. Kedusha Tzirin is an organization that focuses on bringing three things to the Haredi community in Israel. And we have actually an English department, which is working a little bit with Chutz Laaretz. But the main, the main three principles are as follows. And obviously, for more, you're welcome to contact me. I actually wrote a mamar about it. And um, obviously, we have, we have a small website with all the alunim. We're working on a nicer website right now, actually. And... Um, but, but basically, we have a WhatsApp group and other things and a very, a very big uh, email form, uh, you know, with close to 100 participants with fascinating dionim going on all the time. We have one in Hebrew, one in English. With Baruch Hashem, we put out a cruise uh, just recently about Aliyah Eretz Yisrael. We put out in seven languages, in, in Hebrew, English, Yiddish, French, Russian, Spanish, and Portuguese. Um, so we have a very broad audience. But basically, we focus on three things. We focus first on... <clears throat> the chashivas of Eretz Yisrael, appreciating Eretz Yisrael. Something you mentioned earlier about Tanakh. Tanakh is something that unfortunately, without going to the reasons why, was sort of cut out of the Haredi Chinuch. And as a result of that, you know, we don't, there's, there's a, a, a lot of, the, the, the baseball of Eretz Yisrael is lacking. Tanakh is full of Eretz Yisrael. When you learn Tanakh, you don't need any datilumi, tzioyni, chinuch. It's there. It's, it's all there. And, 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 and we're trying to create an a understanding and a, of the chashivas of Eretz Yisrael, not just as a makam kedusha, but as a place of a mitzvah, a mitzvah of the yish of Eretz Yisrael, of living in Eretz Yisrael, of the Eini Hashem, this is where the tachlis is, this is where we're supposed to be, etc., etc. So the prince of Eretz Yisrael and everything... There's the aspect of living in Eretz Yisrael, of calling for Aliyah. There's the aspect of Shleim Asaretz. You know, are we, are we, uh, you know, do we not have an opinion about Yudav Shomron? And, and we, there was a period where we actually, we were promoting, you know, the growth of Haredi communities within Yudav Shomron. We did advertisements for places like Emmanuel and other Haredi communities. And I personally think that, you know, when the Haredim embraced Yudav Shomron, that can be the game changer, which is ultimately going to, you know, bring to tremendous growth. But, but everything to do with Eretz Yisrael, that's principle number one. Principle number two is recognizing the unique kufa that we're in. The, some want to call it the Ashkata de Gula, some want to call it the Ikvus de Meshicha, the Saif, whatever you want to call it. The idea is realizing that the fact that we're here after 2,000 years, okay, it's not just another stop in the Gullahs like Eishashak and Vilna and Litta, Bnei Brak, it's not just another thing. It's something special. This Hashem is talking us, miracles for us, and we need to recognize that. We need to appreciate that. Some people want to take it very far and say hollow. Some people don't. That, again, that's each one, you know, where he's holding and where Amisra is holding. But the first thing is having a kara. If you think that the fact that we, we're back here and we have a country and we have a government and we have an army is just by chance, and it's, you know, it's Atsis Satan or whatever you want to call it, then you missed the boat. And we very strongly, um, uh, you know, we, have a, we had a whole session where we answer up the arguments from the Vayoyo Moshe, from the Satmar approach. Our alone is, is written by, the, the Mamarma written by Hamid Chachamim from the, the highest caliber, from Kol Chazanish and Panovich and, 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 uh, and Brisk. And, and from Mamish, we have Tamid Chachamim 
from the Tenanimous, but Baruch Hashem, we have, we have tremendous, tremendous support in the base Medrash, and that's where we wanted to start this organization, as a, as a Torah-oriented organization, not just, you know, you know, uh, you know Zionist, uh, populist, uh, you know, wave the flag. No, no, but we're looking for Makaris, we're looking for sources to talk to the, the, hard, the hardcore learners. And this is what, what the Kedusha series is about. You can see in our pamphlets, we have over 50 pamphlets, Baruch Hashem, over the last three years. Every month we have another uh, alone that we, we were mafits and yeshivas all over Israel. Sometimes we print 20,000, sometimes 10,000. I mean, Mamish and the yeshivas all over Eretz Yisrael, the Haredi yeshivas, most the average yeshiva Baruch on the street has heard of Kedusha Tzir, Baruch Hashem. That was, that was uh, you know, one of the, the measurements of our success. But the third, the, third, the third point that we talk about, and this is really where everything leads to, and this goes back to what we discussed earlier, is now that we understand that Eretz Yisrael is the Tachlis, and now that we understand that Hashem brought us back here for a reason, for Google, and there's a Gula process going on, now we have to ask ourselves, what is our part? Where do we come into the picture? And that's where we talk about the ideas of having a Jewish state, of, of uh, returning to Beis HaMikdash. The official policy of Kedusha Tzim, we don't openly discuss going to Harabayas, we just talk about the mitzvah of building mikdash uh, because there are some chiluke days within the, the various participants and we didn't feel that that's something that needs to be, you know, critical to the agenda currently of Kedushas Tzirin. So that's, that's considered a separate movement. But we do talk about mikdash and we talk about having a government that's run according to Torah and promoting Jewish values and Torah values within the government and ultimately, you know, what our function is as the Haredim. It's not enough to sit in base medrash and learn all day. We have to take that Torah out of the base medrash and, and, and learn what it means to have a government based on Torah. And, and this is in a nutshell what it's about. Wow. Wow. Incredible. That's really, uh, I must say, I, 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 love, I love listening to you today and, and really having this conversation because so many of these things I, I've definitely connected to in many ways. And I, I believe in a lot of the things that you're talking about. I've spoken about a lot of them, but the Harabayas thing and, and some of these things are, are still, you know, they're still on the edge and they're on the edge of the conversation for many people. And that's really what we're trying to do here is just to open up the conversation that way people can begin to, you know, experience some of these different conversations and these different ideas that are amazing and are integral. And, and like you said, I think that it's partial to anybody who could open their eyes and see the incredible goodness of the times that we're living in. It's, uh, it's truly like the, we live in the best time of history. It's been, it's amazing. Hashem's incredible, giving us incredible goodness and we need to appreciate that. So thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. You, it's been a, it's been a tremendous pleasure and a privilege and uh, Be'ezer Hashem, you know, uh, every one of these podcasts is bringing another, special light to the community, to, to Jews around the world. Baruch Hashem, we have Zoom today, so we can go beyond our physical boundaries. And uh, it's a tremendous schus. And Be'ez Hashem, we should all be zoiche, uh, zoiche as well, to, to, to purify ourselves and to, you know, become more active players within Geula. And B'schuse, we should be zoiche to Binyin Beis HaMikdash and be as Goyal Tzedek, Amen. Amen. Thank you.